It's that season again, a lot of names, a lot of new faces. In episode 12 of Teaching in Higher Ed, how to get better at learning students' names. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Hello and welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Hello again, this is Bonnie Stahoviak and I am joined once again by Dave Stahoviak. Hello everybody. It's around this house, a lot of thoughts about a new school year, even though I know people listening have been teaching all summer and want to rip their hair out saying, we're not starting a new school year. But for a lot of listeners, I know it is a season for new names and new faces. And you're smiling. I am smiling. You're excited about the new year, I can tell. I am excited, but I also do get nervous. And I think it's good to acknowledge that it starts to feel really overwhelming for me. I'm teaching three sections of the same class in the fall for the first time. Actually, I've taught the class more than 20 times, but three sections feels like a lot of new names to learn. And I've imported all of their data and their photographs into my app that I use, which I'll talk about in this episode. And I started looking at the names and going, oh, this just starts to get a little bit daunting. Mm. One of the things that happened when we had our first child, as I was on maternity leave in the spring and then came back in the fall, and I had been at that time teaching a lot of these one-unit classes at our institution. It was not my favorite. My colleagues are aware of that, but it, it was always so overwhelming because it would be 35 students in each one-unit class, and so I would teach three separate one-units. And so I'd have, for, for one class of my load worth, I'd have 100 students. And so I, I came back that fall and had all the new students' names to learn trying to deal with being a mom for the first time. And then there would be the students who I had known the prior fall, but I hadn't seen them for, for a whole semester. And there were so many of them back then. So I remember I went to the the caf where, the cafeteria where, where they have lunch at, at Vanguard and, and was actually quite pleasantly surprised that I remembered some of their names that had been there that private that prior fall. And so I was feeling good about, oh, hi, how are you? How's everything going? And actually able to call them by name. And there were a group of them sitting at a table together. And they seemed genuinely surprised and delighted that I had remembered their names. And and a young man at the table said, do you remember my name too? And I looked, <laughs> no idea what his name was. And I felt like I shot him down, even though it was certainly not my intent to do that because I think no. they were just surprised that I had learned it. So he was just so excited for, and I certainly remembered him, but, but not the name. So I do feel a little bit of anxiety, I guess, going back after being out for a semester. This is one of those things that if you ask a room full of people, if they have a difficult time remembering names, something like 80 or 90% of hands go up. It, it's one of those skills that, and I don't know what it is about this particular thing, but almost everybody says that they struggle with this and almost everyone has a belief that they're not good at it. And I don't know if we mentioned this on the show or not before, Bonnie, but I've been a Dale Carnegie instructor for over a decade now. And one of the things that we teach in our programs 
is how to remember people's names. Mm -hmm. And we, in fact, we do it at the beginning of one of our flagship courses. And it is unbelievable the transformation you can see in people in an hour when you actually get them into an exercise, show them that they can remember someone's name. We have people walk out of the room who totally think differently about themselves and interacting with others. And I'm really struck by just how transformational it can be for a lot of us in our relationships if we can get beyond this belief first that I don't, I'm not good at names and I'm just not going to be good at names. Well, for anyone listening for the first time, Dave teaches in higher ed and, and so I teach full-time and he's, he's an adjunct, although he, just a couple more classes and it's like having a full-time load without the full-time pay. I'm sure there are some listeners who are well, familiar I, with that. I, I have it easy compared to you. I, I teach four or five classes a year, but my classes are graduate classes. And from a name standpoint, I really have it easy because there's usually five to 10 students in the class. Mm -hmm, yeah. But, the, but I mention this because you know as a Dale Carnegie instructor, there's sometimes 40 people in a class. And by the end of the first session, the expectation as a Dale Carnegie instructor is you know everyone's name, first name and last, and can call them by name and the following week too. Well, this is one of those things I did want listeners to know just how good you are at it. We used to have the university where I teach part of their orientation for the new students coming in, the new freshmen and transfer students, was to have a little dessert event at faculty's homes. Now, I think they've changed that. I actually like the changes they've made in the program because it's much more academically focused versus let's have a big crazy party and make a lot of young people lose out on sleep just to start out a very stressful experience on even a worse foot. So I like the changes they've made. But I remember at the time I would feel somewhat a little... I just you know, get, I, I get a little nervous sometimes. And so I would get nervous about, oh, it's just overwhelming of 15, sometimes 20 with the leaders coming in and they all would come at different times and some, they'd get lost on the way here <laughs> or they'd give them the wrong directions to an old house we used to live in and they'd finally make it here. But you're a superhero. That That is your superpower is learning names and just that they could come in and you could learn them all. I know you did not appreciate then you would kind of gently ask me, could, could we maybe not? start out seeing how phenomenal I am in this. But I guess the one thing we do both want to say up front is this is not an innate trait. It is not yeah. something that you're born with being good at names or not. To me, as someone who still feels that I struggle, I know what a difference it makes though to say, no, but you can do this. Mm -hmm. You can do this. Yes, it takes work. But if you tell yourself that you cannot do this, in my anecdotal experience, I'm not going to be able to. So I, yeah. I certainly can. Is it going to take some work? Yes. Is it going to go better when I realize you've done this before? Yes, it's you were off for a semester, but you've got this down. And then to do the necessary steps to prepare. So that's, I guess, the thing we want to say. And then just the power that it is when you do know someone's name. And I teach at a private university and, and the class is there are small compared to some of you who I know are teaching in lecture halls of 200 students. Is it realistic to learn 200 students' names times however many classes you teach? I don't know. Some of you do. Some of you don't. But but I think when we can be able to make it personal, that really does make a difference. And even for that, it, it perhaps maybe you can't learn all of them, but you can start to identify with some of them and begin to make those connections with the power of a person's name.
Yeah, and I, I think the the message coming out of this is do something to get better. So if you normally get to know two or three students' names, shoot for five this semester or 10 or move beyond where you normally are. And, and, and I would add one thing to what you said, Bonnie, is that you know, I'm good with names when I focus on it. When I don't focus on it, I'm horrible at it. And so um, one of the things is that we do have to put in some effort in order to do this. And you really are brilliant at, at putting forth that effort. And students really do notice. Um, I know for both of us, we, we run in this lot that students notice. They come back to the second or third class and we remember their name. And I, I should caution people that is not a replacement for a relationship with someone. It is merely the starting point of the relationship. So you can't know a person's name and then expect you're going to have, you know who they are as a person mm-hmm. or that you're going to have a great relationship from that point forward. But it does open up a huge door when a student walks in the second or third week of a class and you call them by name and they realize that you remembered, you've demonstrated that you care. So Dave and I are going to talk about how each of us approaches learning names. We're going to go through these tips pretty rapidly because they're just they're pretty basic other than that it just is how it's what's worked for us. So one of the things that really works well for me and and people in general is the power of pictures. And there's really two ways that this has worked for me well. One is having their pictures in advance. Most universities out there today have some sort of a system that you can get your rosters, but a lot of times the photos are in there too. I use an app called Attendance 2, and that's on the iPhone, and I have used it for years now. I recommended it on a blog post recently of five apps I think are great to start the year with, and I got accused on, it was my first first critic on Twitter (laughs) that said, you said this is an easy to use intuitive app. It's not so much. And I, and I went and I had looked at it because I had been on maternity leave. And the guy really has done a great job of adding features with those features sometimes has not necessarily come an additional look back at making it simple and easy to use. So he had added a lot of features. And but once you get in there, I still think the actual act of taking attendance, I stand by my it's easy to do and intuitive. But some of the initial screens that you look at can seem daunting, even though I don't think they actually are. All the options for importing students look overwhelming when you first look at them on that initial screen. But what I'm able to do is download all of the pictures from the rosters and then import all the students' names, student IDs, email addresses, and photographs into this app. And so one of the things that's great is being able to see their pictures and be able to start to identify those names with the pictures, and that is powerful. I will say that I have to work really hard not to get hung up on things like hats. Now they don't actually let them wear hats in the pictures, or at least I'm guessing because they never have hats on. So I'm guessing there's a rule somewhere or otherwise they probably would. But if a student wears a hat to class the first day and I start to associate them with a hat, they're not going to wear the same hat the next class. I'm, I'm, I'm rarely so fortunate as to a very, a very different looking hat showing up or a headband for young women or that kinds of things. So I do try to focus on features that won't change too terribly much like eyes and smiles and that sort of thing. Hairstyles with the young women also can be if they've got it pulled back in a ponytail. That's just something I try to, okay, don't, don't have that associated with the picture of them in your mind. Try to have it more about something about their face 
that won't necessarily change the next time they show up. So having those pictures into an app, or if you don't have an app like that, doing the printout and carrying around those printouts with you can be an old school, but a great way of starting to associate those faces with the names. Now, another closely related way of using pictures is through what's called association. So the power of our mind is we already have all this existing information. So we we can take the stuff that we already know and then attach it to this new information. So this is one of the ways that Dale Carnegie teaches people to learn names and it is hugely powerful. So Dave, if you would share the name association that you use for yourself as you're introducing this concept, I think that will be helpful to people. Oh, sure, sure. And the what I tell people is, you know, picture me and David Letterman together standing at a stove and I'm cooking up a bright blue letter V and there's a yak dancing on the top of it. So Dave Stove Yak, Dave Stovyak. It's pretty close. It's not exact. Um, but it helps people to remember my name. Um, and But the key is, is of course, creating your own association for the person, something you're going to remember that's going to connect with them. And so I remember when we went to this restaurant the first time and, or second time that we had seen this server and it became apparent we were going we to see her offer. I'm like, okay, I have to remember her name. And so I thought of someone that I had interacted with recently and I just pictured the two of them together whose name was Chris. And then I pictured her hopping on a tin can. And so... Anytime I'd see her, I think Chris hopping on a tin can, tin, Kristen, Kristen. So that's how I remembered her name. Now I don't have to think about that because we know her well enough that I don't have mm-hmm. to think about the association. But for the first few weeks, we'd go there often. So that was helpful to remember her name just using that association. So I found that if I can think of something about the person, um, somehow someone they're, you know, they remind me of something about their their facial expression, something that that I can associate with something else or a story or just make up something in my head. A lot of times that will help me to kind of anchor that connection and memory. And that's what the memory experts do is they anchor things in memory. The people who do like those, all those stage shows of memory is they're using some sort of association in order to remember those names. That is a powerful way to get names down. And the more colorful the picture in your head, the more it makes you smile or just the more, the more descriptive that you created in your head, the better. Yeah. And the key is you're not going to share it with that person. So it's just for you. The more ridiculous it is, the easier it is you're going to remember it when you run into that person the next time. Now, the other one that is probably obvious to you already, but is the repetition. So I, I'm really glad to have the iPhone app because I carry my phone with me pretty much everywhere. So we'll be having some meetings as we start our school year out together and I'll always get there a little bit early and I'll have my phone with me and I can be going through those names and cementing them in my mind. And then of course, when I meet the students too, I have the ability to enter notes in there by student or by day, by the way. So it could be just by the session. If something happens, I want to note about on October the 3rd, this happened with the student or just the student note in general. Mm-hmm. And so I can put things in there if there's something I want to remember about them that can start to personalize their educational experience and their relationship with me a little bit more and help cement my memory that much more. You do something with flashcards digitally. Is that that same app where you can like see a picture and then guess the name of the student? Or Yeah, so the other thing it lets you do is not just look in the order of your roster alphabetically, but you also can, you can do this in class or you can do it 
to serve as a flashcard where you can randomly bring a student up on the screen. Now I'll do this in class to try to make the iPhone the enemy and not me <laughs> as I'm engaging with students and, and talking about the material we're, we're working on. I also do it so that I don't always call on the same students whose names I've already learned. So that that's helping me not rely oh. on that crutch and, and get some of the quieter students, make sure I am, I'm spreading out the, the invitations to engage in the classroom. But, but that same random student feature, it will pull up the student's photo and their name, but I just use my thumb to cover up where their name shows up on the screen. So all I'm seeing is the photograph because their, their name is hidden with my thumb, and then I'll just move my thumb to test myself, see if I got it right. Oh, got but it. what's cool. good about that then is I'm not memorizing their names in order that they are alphabetically, but instead in the random order with which they're going to appear in my life. I think this really changes depending on how many students you have and how much you're trying to do at once. So for my situation, oftentimes it's you know five or 10 students. So I'll go and look at the roster in advance and then usually the day before the class or the day of, and then I'll look at it as I'm grading the first assignment or after the first class, I'll look at the roster again. So I have three to four to five repetitions of names. The other thing that I do too is uh, in almost every class is get people talking the very first session of the class. I will often, especially at the graduate level, we'll go around and we'll talk about what people want to gain from the class. And that's a pretty good, pretty quick, can be a quick exercise or it can be lengthy depending on the course and the objectives. Um, but I like to have them say their name. I write down the notes of the things they've said. And a lot of times I won't even stand at the front of the class. I'll, we'll sit in a circle or something and I'll, we'll go around and we'll talk about each person and I'll learn how to pronounce their names and I'll ask them how to pronounce their names. And that helps with repetition too, of just making sure that we call people the way they want to be called. And that's the other thing too with rosters is sometimes the person's name, in fact, I would say often the person's name that's on a roster is not how they necessarily want to be called. Mm -hmm. They have a nickname or a short name or they go by a middle name or something like that. So you have like, I, I try not to get too tied up in the roster prior to meeting the person because I know that a lot of times it's going to be something different than what's on the page. Yeah, that is a delicate balancing act because you will have someone and sometimes it's the name's Jonathan and they want to be called John, but sometimes it's the name's Catherine, but they go by Gigi. And you're like, oh, uh, that's not even a shortened version of the name I learned. So yeah, no. I do. I tend not to do that too much, but I find my anxiety level goes down if I have done some pre-work around the names, which is why I do decide to make that investment of time, even though it's not 100% of the time going to have the payoff that I'm looking for. So I think I, I, it just depends on how you like to work and what's going to work for you. But I, I tend to prefer, yeah, I'm going to invest some time and I'm going to end up learning somebody's name and, and pronounce it wrong in my head because the last names are always really difficult for me. But but I think that makes it that much more worth it to go. At least I've seen it before. And, and if I've, I mean... If I've done a good enough job, which I don't always, but if I've done a good enough job, Gigi can at least get attached to the name I had already learned for them if yeah. for some miraculous reason. It can be difficult, though, for me because the pictures do not look like the people in person, even though my university has gotten so much better at having some guidelines around the picture taking process. They don't actually let them take a goofy picture like they used to. So that's that's a, something that they'll they, they've helped to instill that and, and make it that much easier for us to get to know them. But still, I mean, the. Boy, all a guy has to do is just cut his hair. The the, the great, it's hot now. I'm going to do the buzz cut. And he's gone from four-inch hair down to zero-inch hair. So that, that can be difficult. I wouldn't know anything about that. 
the you've never had four inch hair <laughs> oh you didn't know me in high well school. i mean not now but yeah never know. yeah um the story for another day the the one thing i'd say is that this is this is harder as you first do it it's harder on the front end i remember as a dale carnegie instructor the first time i taught a class where i had to do this i spent hours with the roster in advance thinking through all the different name associations i could create because we ask people to do that in the class so we want to help them um, and, and it took a long time to go through the first couple of times I did that. And to the point now where if I did that, I don't, I, I will glance at the roster in advance, but I can do that on the fly, 40 people in a matter of a couple hours during a class because I've trained my mind to get better at that. So as you do this more, it becomes easier. If you make a commitment to memorize people's names in a class and make that connection, it's hardest the first time you do it. And the second, the third time, you, you've once you do it enough, you realize, I can do this if I put forth a little bit of effort and some concentration into making this kind of connection with students. One of the things I would caution people on is, even though we have a good intent behind this, is to refrain a little bit from talking a lot about where does that name come from? Because, I mean, sometimes... It, it sort of depends on the context, and this is not an absolute rule, but one of the things we can sort of start to lean toward is sounding like, hey, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> and and making someone who perhaps is new to the American culture or is new to your geographic region's culture, that's already a stressful situation for people to be in such a big cultural shift from what they might be used to. And they get that already a lot. Pretty much, I mean, Dave and I are not, <laughs> I'm married into my last name, but I'll tell you, I have heard enough jokes and enough commentary on how difficult our last name is to pronounce. And so, I mean, it's not like I, it bothers me if someone says, wow, and if they ask me, oh, what kind of last name is that? That that does not bother me personally. I just know it could potentially bother students who, again, are going through such a, a shift and can be such a stressful time. So I would just be cautious about when you decide to ask someone about the origins of their name, because it can start to be into that issue of you're not like us, you're different. And boy, they're already experiencing so much of that already. Yeah. And someone who has a difficult name has gotten that their entire life at every class, as you pointed out. And I, I would say, by all means, though, spend time figuring out how to pronounce the name correctly. Yes. So that that green light, I love it when someone takes time to really figure out how to pronounce my name correctly and then remembers that. That's really impressive to me. Really, really impressive. I have an app that I haven't used yet, but I'm going to be using in um, my work this semester called Sound Ever. And Sound Ever is just a really quick way of getting an audio file saved into your Evernote notebook. And we've talked about Evernote in the past shows, so you're probably familiar with it already. And so with that Ever oh, Sound Ever app, what I can do is just a quick way to pull it up and record something. A student may not necessarily be comfortable with me having them be recorded on my phone, although if they are, if it seems like that's a comfortable thing for them to do, I certainly would rather have the student pronounce their own name than me do it. But I'll ask them to coach me. It's really important to me that I say your name the, the proper way. So can you help coach me? Can I try it? And you tell me if I've done it right. And then if I get it right, I can just record that right into Sound Ever 
have it in my Evernote so that later on, because I've tried the writing down things phonetically, I'm not too terribly good at that. It's, I'll go back later. And <laughs> there was a there was a gal, it was Tanika or Tanaka, and I, it would be over and over again. I'd, I'd think, how many times do you have to write it down and then not be able to understand your cryptic notes to yourself? So that's a tool that you can use. But again, just recognize students may not be comfortable having themselves recorded. So if it seems like they're already a little bit shy and apprehensive, then just try recording yourself and then say, did I get that down correct? Very good. Very good. So we have now the time in the show where we do recommendations. But before we do, I did want to mention we would love to hear from you as to what you're doing that's helping you learn names better, because I know Dave and I didn't hit on everything. So if you would please join the conversation at teachinginhighered.com slash 12. That's in episode one, two, the 12th episode. We would love to hear more about what we missed, what's working for you and other tools that are helping you engage with your students and having this really important thing about them, make them feel more comfortable and acknowledged as an important part of your class's community. This is the part in the show where we actually do the recommendations. And so Dave, I'm going to pass it over to you to do your recommendation. Well, my recommendation is directly related to the topic for this show. And if you have ever done any reading or gone to the bookstore, you have inevitably heard of Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this goes right in alignment with what we've talked about as the importance of remembering names. And in fact, um, this book is a is still a bestseller. It was published back in 1936. If you never read a business book or you're not in, involved or interested in business at all, this is absolutely the book to read. And, and it goes way beyond just business. But Dale Carnegie, one of the chapters in this book, Dale Carnegie says, if you don't do this, you are headed for trouble. And the principle behind that chapter is all about remembering people's names. And Dale Carnegie famously said one of his human relations principles is remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So it is the, not the relationship, of course, that we talked about earlier, but it is often the thing that opens up the door to relationship and trust. And that's huge in the education arena. I've had assignments in classes in the past where students get to choose a development opportunity that they want to do to demonstrate a competency and or a learning outcome. And one of them used to be that they could choose to read that book and either write a paper or, or do a presentation on it. And it's really, or sometimes students will just get recommended the book and read it because they value the opinion of you or me. And and it's incredible that it was written that long ago and it speaks so soundly to our students today. I think especially when we think about with social media and how disconnected people sometimes feel. I'm connected digitally, but I'm I'm alone. It's that that Susan Susan Turkle? No. Uh, Sherry Turkle. Sherry Turkle. I knew I wasn't gonna write. Sherry Turkle wrote a book called Alone Together that talks about how connected yet disconnected we are today. And and boy, how it still resonates with people coming back to just human relations skills. And so it's a wonderful book for professors. It's a wonderful book for students of all ages, for sure. It really, it has stood the test of time. It has. My recommendation is that I got to watch a talk. It was funny because getting ready for the semester to start, we all can get on these rabbit trails where you think, I do not have time to be doing this. And I had one of those, but it was so valuable. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's from a woman who has a great skill at visual thinking and she does workshops 
she's out out of uh, in, in from Canada, and she can help us be able to take what's happening in a meeting or in a classroom and be able to record that in a visual way. And one of the things both Dave and I will we'll talk about this more at length, and we, and we mentioned it, but we, we tend to like there to be times when we're in person in classes where the technology all goes away. So in my intro to business classes, there's hardly that many times in the semester where we're actually going to use the laptop. But if we do, then let's do it. Let's go to the, we're going to go on a scavenger hunt or whatever it is. So, but if, if it's not one of those times where technology is at the forefront, the smartphones are shut off unless we're using pole everywhere and the laptops are closed unless we're using them for research. And so one of the things that a lot of the research has shown is that when we draw or doodle, our retention is that much higher. Now, I will say I did read some debates on that, the findings that that were spread across a number of news outlets about how powerful it is to take notes by hand. I read for some researchers that sort of broke that down and had a different opinion. I can only tell you that in my classroom, it really has worked well to get students thinking instead of taking notes in the Cornell notes, or not that that's bad, but but in, as a different way of thinking, to take that information, to translate it and internalize it visually and capture that in notes tends to really help them with their retention. It's amazing. I do things called pen casts. I'll link to one in the show notes. And the pen casts are me drawing something and they draw along with me and they hear me giving the lecture. And so what I loved about what this talk, what this uh, presenter did was that she would be talking about visual thinking but then throughout her presentation, she would have doodle breaks. And it was so cute. So she'd hand out index cards in advance and she'd have a doodle break and something like checking in how things are going with her workshop so far. She was presenting to a group of faculty. So there were different exercises that she would do along the way to say, how are you? How do you feel about this aspect of it? And, and they would draw and she's teaching them visual communication. She's teaching them how to doodle, but it's a fun way. And it broke things up really well. She did it five or six times during her hour long talk. It was really a neat thing to do. And again, I'll link to that show. Do not click on it if you don't have the time to go through a rabbit trail because she's so engaging. You're not going to be able to shut it off. <laughs> she's really good. The pen cast, by the way, your students love that. And so that's that's a really cool way you've brought in the visual technology and, and just something fun and different that really engages people. So that is it for today's show. I encourage you to subscribe, if you haven't already, to the Teaching in Higher Ed update. That comes in your inbox once a week. It has the notes from these shows, so you don't have to remember to go visit them on the web, they'll just automatically show up for you. And then it also has a, a weekly article about teaching. So I'd encourage you to do that. We would also love for you to recommend teaching in higher ed, either in a formal way by writing a review on whatever service it is you listen to, if it's iTunes or if it's Stitcher Radio or some other way, would love for you to recommend it or just informally sending off a note to a friend that you think might enjoy the show. If you have a topic or a guest recommendation, please send it in. We would love to hear those. We certainly have lots of ideas about people who would be good for the show, but not as many as you do. So please send those over to us. And also we're looking forward to doing a Q&A show coming up. So would love to hear from you as to questions that you have that you'd like to have us answer. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you go to teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe, you'll get those weekly emails, but you'll also get our free ed 
tech essentials ebook, and that'll help you start out your semester with some great ed tech tools. Thanks for being here, Dave. Thanks, Bonnie. See you soon.